The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. Okay, I'm hitting the blue go live button and we're live. It is Monday, December 13th, 5.02 p.m. Eastern time. It is, I think, 11 p.m. in Tuscany. Uh, where this, where this, the, where the imaginary, um, where this imaginary show is taking place. Wait, that's where the wedding was. Wait, um, sh- uh, um, Shiv, Shiv. Yes, yes, Kendall. What are you talking about, guys? <laughs> I don't know. This is just say yes. Rank. This is no. This is good improv. You always say yes, Ben. You're Roman, so just go with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm what? You're Roman. You know, if you guys, I've talk, always thought of just, myself wait, as more stop it, just Stop it, okay? Stop it. If you you guys are talking too loud, Dad's gonna hear. Okay, we are meeting. Okay, because I have a plan. And yeah. I have a put. I, I, and um, can you just give me a little bit of time to set out my plan? I know you think that I'm like a drug addict and like drunk all the time, and that I can't do anything. But I really want to show you that I have a great plan. You, That's the way I've always thought of you, Scott. Yeah. I. I, well, I, I don't know. I just. I guess I'll have to see it. Okay. So. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, let's let's go. Let's go to the let's go to the PowerPoint. I have a. Uh, I, um, Wait. My, who has the uh, PowerPoint? I do. Okay. Are you I sure? Yeah, because my um, my high flying uh, PR people put together a PowerPoint for me um, okay. based on a presentation that I'm trying to. I want to get buy in from you roman and you shiv about um this i think uh, of myself as more assyrian than roman no it's the name person benjamin it's like his first name i i who's the drug addict here yeah i know Um, (laughs) you've forgotten your own name yeah sure i should i like at this point i should call you a lot of expletives about and make fun of you not being able to have a sexual relationship with anyone (laughs) right right Okay. Okay. Let's do. Let, okay, um, so, for me to share, I do what? The top of your screen. I see the yeah. adoption of a new personality has not affected the... your tech skills. <laughs> yes, exactly. Go over to the right, uh, next to the gear, above your head. There should be a thing that says "share screen." Not your real head. The image of your head on the screen. I gotcha. Don't, don't sure. look okay. up in person. It's not like hanging above and then, you. And then, okay. and then don't, don't like, don't share your entire screen. This is what you did last time. Okay. Go to the window tab at the top. This is entire screen window, and should say like whatever your browser is, okay. and go to window, and then select from there. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. We got it. I, I got it. Get Allow. ready, folks. This is the part where in lieu of fun breaks. Yeah. It's okay. Here we go. Break. Okay. Can everyone see what I'm doing? No. You can't see anything? No. We can't see anything. This is also, by the way, something that happens. Try try Scott reading the screen where it says what to do. Wait, this is, this is not, this is, this was not part of the Scott, is it in PowerPoint actually, or is it in something else? It's in PowerPoint. Okay. Um, When you go to like hover over and you put on the, okay, you might have to actually. I'm not giving any tech support as long as you keep calling me Roman. (laughs) 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 Sounds like something that Roman would say. Um, Okay. I, 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 um, um, need my help. Send me the uh, PowerPoint. Oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Um, uh, I'm going to, you know what? Okay. Let me do, Uh, um, Save. Is, gonna... is your malevolence being tempered by incompetence, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is conspiracy plan uh, PowerPoint. Wait. Okay. Um, um, great. I will open it in one moment. 
Okay, but uh, wait, I have to send it to Clark. Remember when you were like, what are we going to do for 60 minutes? And I was like, hey, yeah, right. don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, 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 I sent it. You know, this is part of why um, Succession is so exciting is yeah. because um, you get a lot of uh, you get a lot of tech slip ups and uh, people um, emailing um, decks to each other. Yeah. It really, uh, yeah. it's dark. It's darkly comic. That's what I heard about in, yeah. in the reviews that I read. That the the parts where the PowerPoint doesn't quite work and the share yeah. screen fails is really gives it a certain verisimilitude. I want yeah. to say how old I felt going back through all of the episodes to find that episode, take a screenshot of it, because it was just like Whoop. Scott oh. got swallowed up by the earth. I found it. Ah. Uh, Let's see. You have to bring uh, back Scott. Oh, okay. Hold on. He he got swallowed I'm up. Doing by the a lot earth. of stuff at the moment, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm sorry, but you know Scott is the subject of today's show, and for him to just vanish into a hole in the earth is kind of like you know that's the point in the Bible that you know it's not about Korach is when yeah. Korach gets swallowed by a hole in the earth, and that's kind of what happened to Scott. Scott knows what yeah. I'm talking about. Yes, I do. See, you're a... just doing that because you're jealous that we're talking about something that you don't understand, so you're making up your own thing that I don't understand. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly what happened. Wait, um, oh, I, may I, may I, um, may I, why does uh, the, my share screen thing just keeps on going in a circle? Um, because that's Is what happens when it's broken. The spinning pinwheel of death? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's really actually because it doesn't like you. And it does I, not want you to share this screen. Uh, no, I'm working on it. I am I'm going to, give me one second. I'm opening this right now with Google Slides. And then we'll be able to share it. Uh, I think. Open. I just like. It's there's being anima really slow. Unfortunately, there's animation and everything. Really? Yeah. I think it'll so, work. Hold on. Okay. Don't be. Don't worry. We'll make this happen. Um. I can, You know, I can only I've imagine got your back, how. Brother. Okay, I can, I can only <laughs> imagine how exciting this is for everyone watching. I yeah. Mean, like. <laughs> I really actually. <laughs> what? What? What is that? So, ben, Ben's doing his <laughs> ben, ben is doing his best Roman imitation. Um, oh, okay. uh, apparently, by, yeah, yeah, without apparently. knowing it. Yeah. Um, so I'm just sitting back, um, waiting for I know, you guys I know. to make I something know. happen here. Because I'm not in control of the show. Because Kate's got the con today. I so know. I'm just gonna. Pedal my uh, my little elliptical trainer and uh, good. shoot good. the shit with Reverend Hillary Livingston in the, in um, the chat. Okay, I'm trying to open this and just won't open, so I'm like having a whole existential okay, crisis. Okay, so should I do some of the gas? I have conspiracy. Yeah. Okay. Be I, I had some gags that I had deemed insufficiently dignified oh, these to outtakes? do on the show. These are outtakes, but I'm going to yeah. do them right. I'm going to do them right now because I have no more material because there's dead air. <laughs> okay. So here, let's do Okay. How, how about this? Okay. Oh, wait, wait a second. I have to take a call. Hold on one second. Oh, wait, I got it open, but oh, I got, okay. Uh, uh, is that, is that, is that cocaine? Oh, um, <laughs> See, I see. I had deemed it insufficiently dignified. Yes. But... <laughs> we get it, Scott. I'm really yeah. glad that you are willing to base yourself. Uh, I well, have, I knew, um, there was dead oh, air. Yes. There was just. I have a couple others that really are even worse than that. Um, oh, so there's... you really better call up the thing before. Okay, hold on, I've got it. I've got it. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Drum roll, please. Can you see it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Um, let's. Uh, hold, on. hold on. Let me go to the. Hold on. Uh, okay. Great. Okay. Right. Okay. And so, 
So uh, we can't have fun anymore, but we can have, Kate, revenge. <laughs> and that is, that is what I want to, uh, that's what I want to uh, talk with the family today. Okay, let's go to the next slide, please, Kate. Uh, Shiv. Okay, so first of all, let's just start here. So I did some research, okay, on the corporate, um, uh, like, background, deep background of In Lua Fun of the show, and it turns out I discovered lots of things that I found somewhat disturbing. So, um, okay, so the first thing, I did not know this, but there's this entity called Deep State Productions that, ma that, that owns In Lua Fun. Did you guys know that? No. I did not, no. I didn't okay. know that. Okay, now... Clothing Monster <laughs> oh owns Deep State Productions, okay? It gets worse. It gets worse, Kate. It, Clothing Monster also owns Halliburton, and that is something I did not, I mean, and then the, for the real corker. Oh, my God. Hertz owns Clothing Monster, Deep State Production, and therefore in lieu of fun. So what I propose is... We are going to take over Hertz, okay? And this is, the, I have various ideas. Conspiracy number one is we are going to do a bear hug, okay? Now, what's uh, that, you, Scott? A bear hug, I don't know, but on the show they use that expression. No, no, go back, go back! Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the, the, I don't know what a bear hug is, but I think it means that you need to own a lot of the shares in order to buy out somebody. What about a bear hug shirt? No, I, this is, this is, let's just figure, how many shares of Hertz do we all all have together? Do you? Do you uh, I don't own any. Do I don't you? own any. N neither no. do I, so that's not gonna work. Let's go to two, the conspiracy okay. two. Okay, now I think this week should have the Greek chorus buyout, and here's the idea, and I ran the numbers, okay? okay? If we just have the Greek chorus buy individually, they just buy a few, a couple of shares, okay? We will have an enormous amount of corporate power to, to buy out Hertz and to reform it and make sure that it's a good company, okay? So I ran the numbers, Kate, please go through the numbers, okay? Oh, um, okay, so first of all, how many shares are there? I'm sorry, if you guys have not taken corporate finance or something like this, this may be a very hard thing to understand. But <laughs> the thing is, is that there are things called shares, okay? And they float uh, out there. And if you can just buy um, the, sh the floating shares, then we can take over. So I did research and there's almost 300 million floating shares, okay? Let's go to the next one. And then, um, uh, when I looked at this today, um, it was roughly $16 per share. So go to the next slide, please. Okay. So running the numbers, okay? <laughs> if we have 10 million viewers, okay, then that's 30, 30 shares they have to buy at $16, which is only $500 per viewer of the Greek <laughs> chorus okay go with the next one but yeah. if we only have a million viewers then they each have to do 5,000 so that's going to be a much heavy, heavier lift and okay. go to the next one right, right. but, what if, but if we okay. if we have a hundred million viewers <laughs> then they it's only about fifty dollars I see what you did there. You went, you went, you went in a different direction than I would have. Right. <laughs> like, what if we have like a hundred fifty viewers? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, then I, I would actually have to get uh, pull up the spreadsheet. Um, I think it makes it much harder to do um, that way. Although it makes communicating much easier. Um, okay, okay, let's go. To, okay, yeah. let's go to the next one. Oh, right. Discredit the CEO. I'm, well, uh, this, didn't Kate already do that? No, 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 no. This <laughs> is, let's, let's go, let's go. Who is the CEO of, of Hertz? I have no idea. Well, go, go to the next slide. slide. I suspect yeah. the answer's there. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Hertz names Mark Fields as interim CEO. Now, Mark Fields is, um, I did a little research on the so-called Mark Fields, 
Okay, go, go, go. I, 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 go. Okay, so look here. So I did a Google I search. This you is see? a very excellent research. Yeah, you see. And so I, 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 I assumed it was the linebacker. Okay, go to the next oh. page. Okay. And I don't know if you'll be able to see, but he's oh been involved. God. Yeah, he's been involved in a Mark lot of. Before the district attorney's office. Yeah. So. Uh, for assault on his ex. This is not the same Mark Fields. We, but uh, we don't know that. Um, okay. We don't know he's that. He's also part of the NFL concussion lawsuit. Okay. I, I look. He I, I'm, I'm, his I'm, only brother of burglarizing his home. Yeah, well, that's kind of consistent with this family, right? Yes. <laughs> well, he fought, he falsely accused. Yes. He falsely, falsely accused. accused. Okay. Okay. So I think that's promising. Let's go to the next one. Okay. Voter fraud. Okay. <laughs> I've heard I say yes. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Next slide. Okay. I we go to the shareholder meeting in May, and we make Got a it. shareholder motion claiming that there was voter fraud in electing the CEO. Because in, in publicly traded corporations, um, CEOs are elected. Uh, and, and then we call our star witness. Wait, oh, that's me. <laughs> oh, God. I say um, we have Kate come in hmm. and, um, and basically uh, explain to everybody what a bad company it is. And what a, how it engages in rampant fraud, yeah. um, and and I think that that um, uh, PowerPoint did not take me even close to sixty minutes. Um, Wait, is that it? I'm just gonna yeah. go in and 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 I'm gonna like this is your this is your la this is your plan, this is the plan yeah, you want to take to dad. Yes, this is the plan. But you know, if you if you if you if you speak a little too loudly. Um, you're going to ruin it. Um, um, I mean, I just want to say that you've had a lot of dumb ideas, but this might be your best. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I, would, I would say, I would say um, that the tech foul up was the best part of um, no, this, this, is this episode. And I also, I'm very curious. Um, at what point am I going to be able to like, ever uh make good on any i have flown in zero helicopters and i can't even get a rental a kia fiesta without like having like that, i just right. really yeah i was so, gonna take you in a helicopter this <laughs> month but the trip got canceled that's true wait oh that's right that's right right uh, my, my my question is like one of the things that was so interesting about watching Succession is that it, everything is so beautiful and everything is so sumptuous, and you like think, "Oh my God, I would I would love to be there," but nobody's enjoying any of it. Like yeah, that's no, that's what's it like. It is such a Schadenfreude show. I have also a new, new I have a theory about Succession, which may seem even nuttier, but I think it's not just about a media company. I think it's about a family. Um, and, um, you know, uh, um, yeah, um, but, um, what I love about the show is that, you know, it, it, you feel like it must suck to be a billionaire. Oh, I think. Well, that is an attractive aspect of the show. Yeah. So Ben, I want to see. Not that I've can, ever seen the show. I want to see if we can convince you to watch it. You oh, I'm perfectly. So no, no, I'm perfectly happy to watch it. I just couldn't do it this weekend. Yes. I mean, I will say that I think that that's someone I've been seeing a lot of good takes. One of the takes was Virginia Heffernan re like retweeted an article by someone that was basically saying that the entire show and the most interesting part of the show is going to revolve around Tom, which turned out to be incredibly prescient and was like very correct and was a good article. Um, but I really do like this. Everything from the New Yorker uh, profile of Jeremy Strong to like the the I thought that the, John hates the show and doesn't want to watch it, so he won't. I don't. He won't watch I can't. I can't understand that. That that. Uh, what's the reason? What's, what, what's, rich what's the reasoning? He, he doesn't need. To Let's watch find out how rich. much of the audience has seen any of the yeah, show. Yeah, I actually that because is like a good, it yeah. should it it uh, because you know if there are more people like me, 
you might uh, 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 explain a little bit more. Yeah, that's true. So if you want to actually just explain the beginning, like the, the premise of the show, Scott? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the basic premise of the show is it's like it's Rupert Murdoch. I mean, basically, it's Rupert Murdoch or Sumner Redstone or some like um, like like um, media mogul, but also amoral right wing um, is willing to do anything in order to win the ratings and become wealthy and everyone's wealthy and everyone's fabulously rich and the patriarch uh, in this case the, his name is Logan Roy who's the Rupert Murdoch figure he is getting older and there's going to be a succession plan and each sibling, sibling child is, of which is, is there are fight, four therefore yeah. are fighting to be to be the successor and it's so it's um, basically king lear it is yes, that's, very much it is, king lear that's like the it's entire exactly king. yeah yeah that's like that's entirely like i think the 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 argument and but it is a lot of like kind of um it is just like a it is kind of like billionaire like as you said like beautiful life kind of like rich um like incredibly like it is a lot of like almost like if you're into watching really I don't know how to put it like things like billions or things where you're just watching like all of these shows that are just about rich people being rich and that is like something that you enjoy it's like it is also kind of has a shallow aspect which is it could be just that but I actually think that there's like as you said I think there's a much more Shakespearean angle to it so what is your what, can I ask everyone what is your price like if somebody said you take off a year from what you're doing and you have to work on Wall Street or something like that, but you will make X amount of dollars. Like how much is your year like your year worth? Like a million dollars? If somebody says, I give you a million dollars, um, but you you're giving up a year of your life to work That's on a Wall great Street. Question. What's yours? How much would it be? Ben, what's yours? I, you start. I don't really have one. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it either. So, I, I, I mean, I actually know this because I once sat down and calculated how much I have spent in opportunity costs to have fun over the course of my professional life. And I think it's about $20 million. Um, here's the rough calculation. Um, I get paid reasonably not by law school standards but by you know think tanky standards which means it's in the same ballpark as a first year associate at a law firm um a little bit more you know um and the senior partners at law firms who tend to think of me as a peer you know get 10 times as much as that, or roughly. And so if you amortize that over a bunch of years, you say I'm probably spending about a million and a half dollars a year to have fun. And, um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. It hasn't always been that much. So it's, a, it's an increasing scale. But early in my career, it was probably minimal and now it's pretty substantial. I think it's probably about a million and a half dollars a year now and maybe a little bit more. So you'd play that out over 15 or 20 years and you know it starts to be real money. Um, and I've never been tempted to do something else. So I think the answer is candidly um, there are many things that tempt me in life, but money just kind of isn't one of them. And, um, and I'm not like, you know, I like, I'm but not, like, but I don't, like, I don't, very... I just don't think it's a, I, I, I actually think the evidence is there of that. By the way, I think that's probably true of the two of you too. I don't know. I would, I would, well, I'm interested in Scott's answer. Scott, what well, do you I, think? I, I think uh, that, like, yeah, go ahead. 
I, zero, I would not. There, I mean, infinite. I, there's not. There, there's really nothing you could give me because I mean, it's a year of my life, and like, what am I going to do with the money anyway? I mean, um, I mean, I, that's one thing. That's one of the things I try to tell students is like, I, you got to pay back your loans. You got to do it. That's like, that's like non-negotiable. But like, when you think about money, just think, what are you going to do with that money? Like, you know, what that's also like, I think that's a really great piece of advice to give students because it's like, if you like, like, that's exactly why I never wanted to work for a firm, as Ben says, like there was I haven't figured out the numbers, but there was like, I mean, yes, I think with clerkship bonuses and everything, it's like a lot of money that I've left on the table, never Mm -hmm. going to a law firm. And yeah, it just doesn't bother me. But also, I think it's different if someone hands you says do this and i'll pay you 10 million or a billion and then for one year like versus like amateurizing it over your life right like i think that that like kind of it sets up i mean you're very rational in how you approach it ben but like think about like i don't know i don't know but that's a good i mean Scott, yeah. you making years like no, there's no amount. No, I, I, I mean, like, well, I did, you, like died I, at the end of the year. Yeah, well, that's part of the thing. Maybe it's because I'm a bit older than you <laughs> that um, you know there's a there's you know a sense of finitude, um, but um, it's also like I don't know. I, I, I you know as many of us have worked in jobs that we didn't enjoy. Um, and it's torture. I mean, it's really torture. And I can't think of anything worse than working on Wall Street, frankly, in terms of boredom. Um, and um, I, 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 I think about like, oh my God, like think of all those shit posts that didn't get written. I mean, you know. I mean, I think, I think that this is like, I think that this idea too of like that is another part about the show that i actually think is quite good is it shows like how much the wealth is like at any point any of them could just leave and be infinitely wealthy and live really wealthy incredible lives but none of them actually want to do that because as it turns out like it's not just about wealth it's about like the power of running this giant media corporation and this company and that that's the clout of that that they like all are like vying for because that's like i don't know i think that that's like a fascinating part of it the job sucks it actually seems like every single one of them is miserable in their lives yeah like I, I, to a person right i mean the, the and they're like many of them are just selling out selling their souls and they know that they are but they feel completely compelled um, to for this destiny to control things. I have to say that's one of the. I don't. I, don't, so, I mean. So wait, bef- before you go on, though, I want to clarify something that Anne has raised in uh, in the chat that I think has a lot of merit, which is um, we're all speaking here from a relatively comfortable baseline income which is to say, um, yes. you know, law like, professors or think tank. There's an assumption that we're like happy with their, getting along fine with our current salary. Yeah, and I think it's, like, I took Scott's point to be about the value to you of making a huge amount more than you do, yeah, not, about, n- not about some absolute definition of wealth. Yeah, I um, guess I just kind of picked some numbers because I was just I mean, trying to conceptualize it. Would it be different if I felt like I was struggling financially? I don't know. Well, actually, I know it would be different if I hated my job. Because if I hated my job anyway, I might very reasonably say, well, hell, as long as I'm not having any fun anyway, I might as well make a lot of money. Um, and then, then you could actually, that would actually really change the calculation. The harder situation is, is one in which you really valued your work, but you were actually struggling financially. And so that's the situation in which I think the temptation is highest. And I have, um, 
mercifully never faced that situation. I, I mean, I did have some, you know, impoverishing journalism wages for a while, but I was young and didn't care um, and didn't have, um, you know, it, it didn't really hurt me that much. Um, uh, but I think Anne's point is, is well taken that you, you actually, like asking this question to three people who were comfortable is an uninteresting presentation of the question. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to have anyone on that comes would like have a different answer on why. I just think that, but I think that the point is, is like, I think that people, well, I, to make it more interesting, let's put it this way. I think that like a lot of people assume that there is some amount of money that every person, every person could like be bought for, for like a finite amount of time, like that everyone would do something. And I think that like, it is actually very unique that like, there are people who don't, value money in that way um or they value like it less than whatever it is that they're currently doing but isn't the relevant question in succession why would you spend 10 minutes being unhappy in a power struggle of a family like that if you could just walk away with a lot of enough money to make you independent for the rest of your yeah. life yeah so that's a that's a big part of the thing i would just say that i was i was uh, the the presupposition of the the question when i asked it was really about succession like that kind of lifestyle like that is i think there's this sense that people have that of course living that lifestyle would be like that that's like would be awesome and you would give up an enormous amount to have that um and i i'm i'm fortunate enough that like my baseline material things and others are taken care of so that but i don't actually think that that kind of super rich or even rich in in the sense of um the in the sense of these television shows would be worth a year of my life um, but like, like not just the richness, like, like, uh, okay. So like, I think that there's a lot of people who would be like, I would love to be president of the United States. Like, I would love to be a Supreme court justice. I would love to be governor. Like there's a lot of people that like would like those types of jobs, which are not high paying. Um, and or like in the kind of the high paying and famous and powerful would be like some type of celebrity, right? Like some, I don't know, like a Taylor Swift or something. I would love to like, you know, I actually would hate all of those things. Like I would not want to do any of those things. Like I wouldn't yeah. want to have like a high pay, like a, like a high profile public job like that with any amount of money. Um, whether I like had a duty to people because of like I, I was part of government or if I was like some type of role model that actually sounds like I don't know paralyzingly like I couldn't handle the scale of it if that makes sense um it's like yeah. one thing when you have like a class and that's hard enough to pull your shit together for <laughs> so like um yeah right right the, the the idea of being a leader is really something that some people uh, just really go for and there are some people who that's the last thing that they want to be as a leader in the sense of like leading an organization leading a group of people being responsible for that and the the the, the show presents the scenario of like what if the power is being exercised for like the for <laughs> for a reason which you really um, disrespect, but you're still going to do it anyway. Um, I am going to bring, oh, here's Paula. Paula, hi. So you asked a, uh, I, uh, you asked a good and hard hitting question in the chat. Uh, Hit him was, hard, Paula. Yeah. In the so chat or in also, the ask a question box? Oh, in the ask a question. Oh, um, yeah. Um, so my Take question, him out. how do you balance the fact that like that PowerPoint was absolutely like a 
fucking like absurdity piece of shit laughing stock with the fact that like it was being used to try to subvert a democratic election like i don't think she's talking about your powerpoint i have a suspicion i think she's no because it's like you want to laugh so much and then like you like sit in it and you're like but this is actually scary like when you think about it well i i i so i i i mean following up on that um it you you the the story of uh, that uh, well, I think the Washington Post had the story of like how this person, the selection denier, met with Mark Meadows um, like eight to ten times and had this PowerPoint, and you just got this sense. At least I got the sense of like, oh my God, if there is a second Trump administration um, in 2024, it's going to be this way 24/7. It's not going to be. It's not going to be malevolence tempered by incompetence it's it's just it's going to be malevolence and incompetence i mean it's just going to be crazy people wandering the halls of the white house saying and uh presenting crazy um uh, powerpoints it's really terribly frightening but i guess like i like I just don't know if there's like any historical precedent for this, or maybe it's something that you only realize because you're living in it and it takes living in it to realize how dumb it is. Or maybe it's like the fact that like you can make a meme out of it, like making memes out of democracy dying is like quite a um, new thing, I believe. I don't know what they were doing when Rome fell, Um, but it's just, I don't, I've never like it's does that make sense like how do you know when something's new or if you're experiencing it for the first time or you just don't know because it's not possible until you've lived it well actually uh the philosopher Arthur Danto wants to find a historical fact as a fact that when it occurs you can't know it's significant um and that there's a there's a I mean I, I don't know. I'm not a historian, um, uh, uh, but but I will say that um, I, I I don't know how one doesn't take this unbelievably seriously. I mean, to the point where I I, I don't see any any um, uh, case for optimism. Um, uh, it it. it does seem like we're in a very, very bad way, and I don't see a process that reverses it anytime soon. But I, I want to add something to that, that I don't think the instinct that Scott just described is incompatible with humor and mockery. So, um, you know, one person with a dire, dire sense of the human condition was Jonathan Swift. And his response to that was to make fun of it. And I, you know, there are times like times that are really awful tend to give rise to satire because it's one way that we have of commenting on it. Um, And Times that are also really good tend to give rise to satire as well, uh, for for different reasons. But um, which one are we in now? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, How do you know which one you're in? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And, and so I, I I think there's a like like you're setting up an either or, and I think a both and is like things really suck. There's a lot of hard work to do. There may or may not be, um, as Scott says, a case for optimism, but we can make fun of it. And, um, and, you know, there is some really funny work that's dark as hell. And, uh, so I just, I don't think the, like, I don't think the implication of your question, which is like, oh, if it's really that dark, can 
maybe we shouldn't make fun of the the PowerPoint presentation. I'm not sure that's right. I think if like it's really dark, maybe the only recourse you have is to make fun of the PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, totally. Um, I I just am curious, like how bad do you guys think the PowerPoint presentation is? Like, is it as bad? Like, do you like in your in your judgment, which is mentioned Scott's PowerPoint presentation is awful. There's, yeah, I, I, it's really dangerous stuff. Uh, except for the no, Star Wars, I thought it was pretty fucking great. Um, but uh, I mean, I actually read it um, today just to get a sense of it, and it is, um, it's, it's yes, like really? the chi the Chinese and Dominion, and it, it's like it was, it, you know, it's the like the word salad that it tends to be the election deniers. It's just this one is on a PowerPoint. I um, mean, it's, yeah. it's really it's really nutty. And it's also very hard to follow because it doesn't kind of make any sense. Lots of lots of graphs which don't mean anything. Um, it's crazy. Um, I yeah, I looked at it. I also saw that uh, there was. I saw somebody retweeted that basically it had been that there was a journalist who had had it on January fifth and sent it out and was like, "This is what the White House has been getting briefed on," and they posted it on Twitter. Uh, that like on January 5th and like this is what's going on in the White House today and now there's like all of these questions about how she got a hold of this on January wow. 5th. Yeah, it's, I like, I don't know. Wow. It's just, I thought that part was a little bit crazy. Eric Berg, do you have anything to cheer us up about or are we going to like, are we all going to be questioning the satire that we're currently sitting in? Here, here I was just making a joke about uh, formulas and, and company names. Um, I liked, I liked your, I liked your joke, but I was, but I am, um, what do you make of the PowerPoint? Either one, you can talk about either one or both. Actually, um, I guess the one thing I'll say with, and especially being in a state where I'm at, the good and the bad of having all this come out is that no one can legitimately look at the questions of elections and say that it's news to them that there's an anti-democratic party. No one can say that there's like a not a coup party. And so like now it's incumbent on us to make sure that that party loses anymore because at least, you know, say what you will, on, Jan or on November 1st, someone could still say, well, it's not like they're going to throw the entire democracy out. Um, and you couldn't, couldn't say that on January 7th. That's the, the good news. And I do think that's a winning argument with America by and large. And now it's all, you know, on, on us to do that. The only worry that I have is that there are some jurisdictions um, where that will be a majority of people. And so then you have to decide whether those jurisdictions are, you know, worth, worth being in and worth working in because at some point, you know, you can work your tail off, but if the majority of people want an anti-democratic state or uh, county or country, like at some point, there's only so much you can do. Um, I, I, I would just say, Eric, that the issue, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with so much of what you said, but I would just say that it's not like there are a majority of Americans who are in favor of this. What's happened is, is that there have been a lot of, you don't need a majority. You can need, all you need is passionate minorities you know, in strategic places, um, which are then entrenched from the majority, even in those places from being dislodged. And so you can get a minority controlling the fate of the majority in a way which is un, um, unchangeable um, uh, according to the rules. And that's what's so scary is not that like the entire country wants something a certain way, but rather it's a minority of people in the country who want the majority to um, not to have their way. Yeah. That I agree with, oh, sorry. Sorry, I agree with that. 
Um, and by and large, we've seen that it isn't the majority. But one of the things about working in politics is we have to understand that there is a possibility that if Trump wins in 2024, that he wins the popular vote. I don't think it's likely, um, but there's a possibility of that. And in certain states where he will, he would win if he were to run. That's what they're endorsing. Um, and I do agree that like such a big part of the problem is just that the tables are slanted in su such a way that the majority can't get the governance that they want. Um, but I guess my, my optimism is I don't fundamentally believe that the country is a country that would vote for an anti-democratic party. And with it being out in the open, I don't think things would end well if it were to happen again, you know, kind of fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me or whatever it is, you know, George Bush quote, etc. But I think that's one of the things that gives me hope is that the, the GOP largely hasn't figured out what the end game is. Um, if that makes sense in that I always love it in the PowerPoint, it says, you know, uh, despite democratic protest or something. And like, are they just like waving off what the nation would do if the president was changed by fiat? Like, and, and so one would have to imagine that the public pressure would be quite a bit different than they imagine or just on a different scale than we've ever seen. Or at least you have to imagine or hope that because otherwise it's kind of, it gets back to the pessimism again. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to say that I think that um, there is more of a case for optimism than, than I think Scott acknowledges. And that case is that, but for the singular election of 2016, um, which you can say, uh, you know, note correctly, relied on a fluke of the Electoral College, the public did not, has not voted for this. And it's had a number of opportunities to, and it doesn't vote for this. Um, and I think there is something reassuring about that in a very non-Madisonian way. You know, Madison believed, and a lot of U.S. history supports, that you need counter-majoritarianism to protect us against majoritarianism, majoritarian demagoguery. And what the last eight or ten years of American history have shown is that sometimes you need majoritarianism to save us against the counter-majoritarian institutions delivering us, you know, demagoguery. Uh, but I do think the, the, the case for optimism is that the majority of American voters, uh, and thank God for minority voters of all types, are the, the, the majority is really wise. And, you know, the majority uh, 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 did not vote for George W. Bush the first time. It did marginally, by a small margin, vote for him the second time did not vote for, it voted for Barack Obama twice, it voted for Hillary Clinton, it voted for uh, Joe Biden. The, the majority has no interest in the radicalisms of, of, oh, and by the way, the majority does not follow the Democratic left off of its particular cliffs either. And so I, I think the case for optimism is just that the majority of the American public is very sober and uh, tends to make pretty good decisions. I also just think that like maybe, and I hope, and actually this relates to Daniel's question, but like I really wonder how much people are going to remember January 6th and how, and like see that as the face of Republicanism, like, when they do at the midterm elections. Um, so, Daniel, do you, I think that is that kind of in what your, your question was getting towards? In his native habitat. Look at it, it's the perfect 
proto-Daniel picture. It is. I, I suppose Ben has largely answered my question, but I tend to think if one believes political science research, that the average voter is pretty myopic. And I do worry how seriously the average voter in a swing state is going to be taking this stuff three years later when Trump is on the ballot. Well, I want to say something in defense of the average voter, which is that the average voter doesn't choose anything. The average voter gets aggregated with a whole lot of other average voters. And the average voter individually may have a lot of wacky ideas. But what we're actually, when we talk about democratic majorities, I mean small d democratic here, what you're talking about is the aggregation of very large numbers of individual idiosyncrasies, which tend to cancel each other out. And what's scary about radicalisms um, is that the, they involve idiosyncrasies, what would normally be idiosyncrasies in individuals, and they concentrate them in very large numbers of groups. And so if I say to you, okay, Scott's a bit of a violent person, he has a gun fetish, uh, Kate is a bit of a... Uh, 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 I like um, knives. Uh, she's a knife person. You know, uh, you say on an individual basis, this is kind of a harmless eccentricity. But if you get very large numbers of people who, you know, don't believe in the Constitution and carry guns and knives, you, you know, you start get starting to worry about that. It's when everybody's eccentricities go in the same direction that we stop calling them eccentricities and we start calling them extremisms. Um, and the scary thing about the current moment is that you have a very large number of people who are living in this soup and thus developing the same what would otherwise be not necessarily harmless eccentricities, but comparatively harmless eccentricities. And I, I think the, um, uh, you know, there is nothing new in the Trumpist worldview, right? There, it's, not, it's not a new thing, hatred of foreigners, racism, right? What's new about it is persuading large numbers of people to make it the actionable feature of their vote, uh, as opposed to free markets or lower taxes or all the other things that conservatives traditionally care about. And I think it is in that context reassuring that they have never managed to convince the majority of these, thing, of these things. Now, is it, is it adequately reassuring? No. Um, it's not like there's like a, okay, I, but I want to like, Scott is about to say something. I'm curious what Scott's thinking. Well, I just said like, it just insofar as there's been a sustained attempt to infiltrate the electoral machinery in various states, that, that seems extraordinarily dangerous and doesn't require majoritarian uh, majorities to agree with them just requires people to not certify or um you know not um not credit certain types of counts and and make make assertions um and that's what worries me um and also i also that the 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 supreme court has seems actively hostile to to voting rights um and i don't see like it making its way through the court system uh, up to the supreme court i don't see the supreme court um uh, doing anything to protect the vote either so that's yeah i um yeah, uh, we are about to wrap up. Uh, if you want to hear a perfectly terrifying discussion of this issue, listen to today's Lawfare podcast, where I and a bunch of the Greek chorus folks uh, uh, peppered uh, Mr. Bart Gelman with a bunch of questions on this subject on Friday on his Atlantic article. And I have to say, he makes a very good case 
for alarmism. Um, and um, I am disinclined to argue anybody out of it. I, I don't know. I like, there's, I, I agree with all of this, but I feel like we're still in shades of like the, I mean, and I guess Pete was very animated by Bart Gelman's piece as well, but like still in shades of like Pete's kind of despair that he was in at the end of last week that was just very much in a place of, you know, this is really bad. We have to do something. Uh, and I just don't really know how much there is to do besides try to get people to vote. And that's not even clear that that's going to be enough. So like, I don't like, I don't know. There's, there seems to me like, I don't know that that's a pretty depressing place to leave the show though. Man. So let's leave it in a happier place. This dog shirt, uh, doesn't give a shit about the fate of elections. It just no, it wants not. a treat. Will we have yeah. Clothing Monster in the future? I put in a new order to Clothing Monster. If you give me a second, I will pull up the really important list of items that I ordered in my last order. Because I think... Um, uh, if we, but if I want to know if it's if going to be subsumed by Hearst. Yeah, right. That's the thing. is If we took over Hertz, we could control Clothing that's Monster right. and also the military-industrial complex through Halliburton. Right. Yes, I mean, I kind of, you have to give Scott points for his the longevity and the planning of, like, how this all uh, can come about. I mean, really, it's yeah. truly. Yeah, I mean, no, it's I, impressive. I, I gave it, I gave it almost like 20 minutes of thought. So. <laughs> you, well, did, you did Google the wrong person that is the CEO of the company, but that's. Yeah, like, but that was on purpose. No, no. All right. So on my latest Clothing Monster order, I ordered a Happy Guinea Pig shirt, a Corn on the Cob shirt, which is the first shirt that has not involved uh, Kingdom Animalia, an Emu t-shirt, in the dog shirt department, an Italian Mastiff t-shirt, a Sloth shirt, and to go with Genevieve's uh, hippie dog shirt, a bulldog peace sign t-shirt. So we are diversifying. Let it not be said we don't take the cries for diversity here seriously on In Lieu of Fun. Biodiversity. Um, biodiversity, yeah. species diversity, <laughs> all kinds of diversity. Um, and um, obviously we will keep you posted if um, you ever if get there back are, from clothing monster. If there are any delays for clothing We're monster. just going to have to do it. I still think that we should just buy bear shirts from them and then do a hug of clothing monster. But, right, exactly. Clothing monster, I would like to see the... I almost want to sue them just so that I can get discovery of their internal responses to my emails. That's good, Ben. That's like, <laughs> kind of like pretty sure that discovery doesn't work that way uh, for small claims court, but uh, one can always help. Well, I'm going to claim, you know, treble damages and um, well, make a huge have, claim on them. Emotional distress. You have frittered away another hour with <laughs> Scott's, Scott's um, incredible lack of prowess in tech uh, and abilities, but incredible abilities in PowerPoint presentations. Um, yes, that, and then, and also in listening, listening to Ben list his his uh, clothing order to you in descriptive form in the list. Uh, oh, and we'll be I, I have a message here on my Apple Watch from Pete Struck for you, Kate. Okay. Uh, uh, Telling me not to be depressed. Oh no. Um. He says, also, tell Kate my message was not to despair. It was to wake the fuck up and get a sense of urgency to act. Okay. Fair. That was, that's true. He did say that. Um, that is true. Uh, I just... Don't text know. me in the middle of the show, Pete. It's, it's confusing. My wrist goes... <laughs> <laughs> we will be back 20... Two hours and 59 minutes from now. And until then, Ben. We don't have fun anymore. But for those who like Scott's PowerPoint presentations, 
Lawfare is actually going to put on this spring a, uh, a series of serious lectures by Scott about, uh, about how to hack things, which is going to be weird for those of you who assume Scott is technically incompetent. Yeah, well, I, I um, uh, yeah, everything, everything always goes wrong during the class too, but, um, but uh, in theory it works. Um, um, yeah, but, but I, I also work with two um, uh, network administrators, also extremely intelligent people, and they, they help me get, keep everything on track, like uh, very complex technical things like sharing screens and things like that. Yeah, so. I know. I, uh, I, I'm taking a salary from Yale IT this year, so. <laughs> okay.